Matt Wright, and Spike Cohen. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, Return of the Judai Cohen, I am <laughs> Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. I don't even remember what I'm supposed to say. Like... <laughs> It's just like, hey, everybody. Hey. If you're watching on YouTube, please. Yes. Oh, that's oh. it. Hey, thanks for watching this Muddy Waters media production. Uh, check us out everywhere. Wherever you're watching us, check us, continue checking us out there or listening to us. Man, it's going to be rough. Uh, if you are, check us out everywhere. We're on all. I'm just going to keep telling you to check us out. Uh, we are on all uh, social media platforms for the most part. We are on all. Uh, well, we're not on Getter anymore, uh, and we're we're uh, we're on all uh, podcasting platforms. And um, be sure to like and subscribe and follow and uh, like. If you're on Facebook, comment and then like other people's comments. Then reply to their comments. Tell them to like your comment and and then share the whole thing. Uh, and uh, be sure to share this right now. Uh, give the gift of the muddy waters today. Kids love it. Also, if you are doing this on YouTube. I want you to hit the bell. I don't just want you to hit subscribe. I want you to hit the bell right next to it because then your phone will explode with notifications. Let me make sure my phone is on silent. Yes, phone notifications every time we go live. Make sure to do that. Thank you so much. So glad to be back. First and foremost, allow me to thank the wonderful, talented, and uh, absolutely gorgeous Justin Thoreau. I don't remember what I used to call him. Justin, for the kava I'm drinking today. And I'd like to thank my wife for making me this delicious hot drink of <laughs> just realizing we're in this stupid mug. Um, uh, it says, I don't need Google. My husband knows everything, which I'm not. I don't I don't have a husband, but my wife made me uh, this uh, made me this drink, which has ginger and honey and lemon and turmeric in it. And it tastes like that. So thank you for that. Bulovanaka. Bulovanaka. It helps did, with my did, throat. Did your wife make you mud water for No, no, she made me this is this tastes better than mud water. And uh oh. it's good for you know my throat, it helps with my throat. Good. So to everybody, to all of the mud skippers out there. Uh, we were supposed to we say... should have spent this last month figuring out what to call them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we should have done that, but we didn't. Um <laughs> To everybody who is a fan of the show and has uh, missed getting regular updates from us, uh, we apologize. Um, Spike came to my house on New Year's Day and I tried to kill him twice. <coughs> yes. I gave him gluten. Yes. We tried to feed him eggs. And then somebody in my household gave him COVID. Or we gave everyone in the household COVID. Or, that part or is, you gave it. Yeah, we, you know, right, it's that part, of, that, that, it's a little that murky. Part, you could say, that's the muddied waters. Um, we don't know who ah, gave it who. The, <laughs> muddied the muddied COVID. waters of COVID. Uh, the muddied waters who, of COVID <laughs> is someone, someone brought COVID right. to the right household. And, and all that it, can be said for certain is that Jason Lyon is the reason that Betty White is dead. Yes. We would like to apologize for Jason Lyon killing Betty White as well. Yeah. Which 
long term probably has the greater impact than my getting COVID. Um, but so yeah, we all got COVID and I got it like I got this super strain of COVID or just COVID doesn't like me or whatever. It hit me pretty hard. So it, which is why I still sound like this. Yeah, it hung with me for a while. Yeah, you got it pretty bad too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean anybody else I mean, the other people that were at my house got it. Uh like everybody got it that was here. Um yes. and uh one one of them, he didn't seem to, like he was in and out three days, done, fine. Uh and then everybody else seemed to get like just beaten with it. Yeah. Yeah. T Tasha didn't get it too bad. It, hers was about a week. Took her about a week before she was back to, to normal. But holy crap. You know, I, there's been a lot of debate over the last two years about COVID and a lot of really strongly held opinions. I frankly don't like it. <laughs> so I am, I honestly not, I am anti-COVID. I am, I am definitely anti, I am definitely anti-COVID. But as we're going to get into later, uh, I am also anti-lockdown. Um, yes. So this episode is brought to you by COVID. No, this episode is brought to you. We actually used to have a COVID graphic we could have used. But this episode, actually, this episode is brought to you by a lack of COVID, uh, thankfully. Uh, this episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party. If you'd like to become a member, go to the exclusive Facebook group, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus today. And if you'd like to buy some sweet-ass Waffle House Caucus apparel, go to the store, muddywatersmedia.com, and then click on the store button. And you can get all sorts of really cool store stuff from the store, Muddy Waters Media branded stuff, including Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus branded shirts and buttons. The Gravy King. Joe Soloski is running for Pennsylvania governor. Joe Soloski is the key to Pennsylvania success. In fact, Joe would say that liberty is the key to Pennsylvania success. And if you'd like to help Joe become the first libertarian governor ever, then go to joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. Jack Casey. Man, that's a name I haven't said in an eon uh, last year, actually. Jack Casey has written three books. Uh, what are they about? I don't know. Had I ever, what had I'm, I had an opportunity what to I'm read them, What I'm pretty certain is whatever world it takes place on is flat. Oh, really? Yeah. Breaking news. Uh, these are uh, flat earth tomes. Is it flat earth or is it inverted earth? Uh, I mean, are we talking about Jack's favorite sexual position or the actual? Wow. Thing? Wow. <laughs> So these books, uh, we won't read them because if they're good, we'll feel bad about making fun of them every week. And uh, if they're bad, then we feel bad about trying to get you to buy them. So we're in this really weird place in our lives where we're just going to refuse to ever uh, read them. So, But you should. And we've been told by other people that these books are good. So based on that, that should be more than enough for you to go to theroyalgreen.com and purchase your copies of The Royal Green in Silver Throned and Crowned It by Gold. Thomas Queter is running for state Senate. And uh, Thomas Queter uh, says, I run better than Albany. And he finds that really funny because he's a cripple. And I can say that now because I had COVID. 
that's not true. Um, but the um, <laughs> Tom, Thomas Queter is a great guy. I, he's one of my, my favorite people in the liberty movement. Uh, he is uh, an advocate for the disabled. He is an advocate for everyone, really. Um, and be he weird is just if an he wasn't guy. an advocate for the disabled. He's anti-disabled. Thomas Queter is probably best known for his anti-disabled <laughs> activism. Uh, I, if you want to go to his website, uh, remove all the uh, ramps dot org. Um, no, uh, Thomas Queter is a great guy and uh, is doing incredible work uh, in all of New York and uh, the fifty uh, second district. Uh, could certainly. Uh, do no better than Thomas Queter. Uh, if you want to help him become the first libertarian state senator in New York ever, go to tomfor52.com. That's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Defy the power, stitches and glitches. Uh, defy the power and stitches and glitches make the most incredible tumblers uh, that I've ever um, that I've ever heard, be, that I've ever used before. Oh, I love mine. Uh, yeah, we use ours a lot. And... Um, they uh, are incredible quality. They keep your hots hot for an ungodly number of hours. They keep your colds cold for an equally ungodly number of hours. Everything, really, these are best described as ungodly. And what's also ungodly is the fact that they do free customization, which is insane. They will put anything you want on one of these tumblers, any ungodly thing you can think of. And as long as they, the words fit. <laughs> as long as the words fit. And uh, you put any graphic you want on there, and they don't charge you extra for it, which is nuts. That's I've never heard of such a thing on any kind of merchandise. So go to defythepower.com or stitchesandglitches.com. They're the same company, and uh, and you can get a uh, you can get a tumbler from John and Susan today, Matt. And if you use Muddy Tumblr as your code, you won't get anything, but they'll know that you came from us. Yes. Um, <laughs> Be sure to use the code Muddy Tumblr, and you won't get anything. At this point, we should probably update that graphic. But the um, but I mean, if you put it really there, paid sponsors anymore, so we can just stop showing. But, oh, yeah, whatever. But they're great tumblers. They're great tumblers. I don't care if I continue advertising for them because that's how good the tumblers are. So because they're not paid, we're just going to keep telling people to go there and use Muddy Tumblr to get 10% off. And then when they and then when you say to us, why didn't you get 10% off? I go, those SOVs. <laughs> those, those darn people. Those uh, darn people. Jack Casey just said, I heard Thomas Queter is a great tumbler. Oh, um, God. And he'll keep your hot hot, huh? <laughs> and your cold's cold. Um, woo. So uh, before the show started, Spike and I were having a little conversation. And yes. um, he said that he peaked. Um, and I said, oh, you, can, you haven't peaked. Look at you. You're a dashing 30-something <laughs> man just dashing um, on, on par with the Nicholas Vessers of this world wow uh, yeah, yeah yeah you're welcome um because wow. no that's a lie and everybody knows that that man is just a handsome handsome gentleman He's just really, um, he like ages it's like as he gets older he becomes more handsome yeah, he's got like that Clooney or Brad Pitt gene. Yeah, that, like he's just getting better. That I do not it's... have at all. <laughs> if I, I have the opposite of that. I do not have that. 
Well, he, I said, you know, you haven't peaked yet. And he goes, man, if that's where I'm peaking, like that's a good place to peak. And I said, well, there are worse places to peaks. And he goes, yeah, like John Bobbitt. To which I said, that happened in my hometown. And Spike had no idea. Literally, where Lorena Bobbitt cut off John Wayne Bobbitt, because nobody calls him John Bobbitt. Uh, oh, that's right. John, John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John yeah. Wayne Bobbitt, yeah. Yep. Where they, where she cut off his his penis was like eight, four, five, six. I don't know. It was close to my house, and the field that she threw it in wasn't far away either. Um, and we had a joke in our town that said, uh, "Do you know the name of the detective that went looking for John Wayne Bobbitt's member?" Is it I C Wiener? It's Dick Tracy. Oh, but that's even funnier than mine. <laughs> Actually, I think mine's funnier. Those are both yeah. funny. That happened in Manassas, Virginia, for anybody that doesn't remember. Um, and uh, we what had a thing a to be known for. What? Tell me something interesting about yourself. Well, when I was a child, I a man lost his member out in the field. Yep we uh, we actually had a city slogan: Manassas, Virginia, a cut above the rest. Wow. Yeah. So you embraced yep. it. We did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Joe makes drifts uh, asks, uh, "What are Spike's dietary restrictions so that none of the rest of us accidentally try to kill him?" Hey, thanks for asking. Actually, to be fair, Matt did ask, um, I did ask. and they just completely disregarded it. Um, but they, no, <laughs> they actually, no, they actually didn't. They tried. They got, they got fooled by one of the classic, the classic uh, trip ups there, which is that most people don't realize. That teriyaki sauce, unless Delicious. otherwise noted, has gluten in it. Mm. Okay, and who would have? And it was only after my fourth or fifth uh, teri- <laughs> a, a salmon fillet, because that's how I eat, like a pig. And I'm like, man, yeah, this is fantastic. What's in this? That's and he went, oh, gluten. teriyaki sauce and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh. I said, can I see it? He said, yeah. So we opened it. And I, I put, turned the, around to the ingredients and pointed at him, and he went, huh. That's I didn't. Why would wheat be in uh, teriyaki sauce? So that was when I realized. Yes, natural flavors. Melissa is another one you got to be careful with. But wheat. This didn't even. This just straight up wheat. Um, with and it even said on the thing teriyaki, whatever brand teriyaki. Now with extra wheat and um and uh, I bought it special. Yeah, and so I was like, yeah, you know what? I should be fine. I'll just take a nap. And so I did. I did. I took a nap. That was a gluten nap. For January. And I just took a, a gluten nap. And then uh, while I was taking a gluten nap, little did we know that COVID-19 was incubating <laughs> in my body. <laughs> so yeah. so when we, when we asked about dietary restrictions, Spike gave us a list. And he was like, I can't have uh, gluten. Gluten. I can't have dairy. I can't dairy. have egg. You left that one out. Oh yeah, because she made the. <laughs> she made the. So we were like, okay, we're gonna make these gluten free because we got we got gluten free latkes in order to appease the diet of Prince Spike, and so we're using the egg, and then she, Spike comes over and he's so excited for his salmon and latkes. And latkes. And he couldn't have any of it. 
I also specify didn't specify that I can't have COVID. And in retrospect, <laughs> in retrospect, you know, I should have said that. So anyway, we had a really fun January. So we would just like to apologize. Just a, a total do-over. We just welcome to January two, and Janu- January January uh, part D, uh, and we're just not. We are sorry about the existence of January of twenty twenty two. We're just gonna write that off, and we're gonna move forward, having learned a lot about January. So that brings us to the first segment. Which is the mud water mud cup? Co- what is it called? The money mud mud water mushroom yeah, coffee mushroom. replacement cacao rapid fire segment brought to you by mud water. If you woke up today and said, Spike, I Matt, hey, why are you in my room? But uh, while you're here, I'd like you to know that I am sick of coffee. I'm just sick of it. I'm all torn up about it. I don't want it anymore. I want something much better. I want something with masala, chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. Well, folks, we have some fantastic news for you. If you go to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud, you can get exactly that, all of those things, and they taste like you would expect those things to taste together. Yeah. Yeah. No, not. That's not. You're going to want to add some honey, maybe some sugar, maybe even some coffee. Um, but if you have just the mud water by itself, know, friends, that you will be getting one-seventh of the caffeine that is in a cup of traditional coffee, just enough pep to give you, just enough to give you enough pep like this. I'm actually not taking mud water right now because I'm sleeping a lot. But usually, but not so much caffeine to leave you depressed and jittery and with underlying heart conditions like this. I actually feel terrible. So this is probably not the best time for me to say why it's good to drink mud water. But uh, if so, if you want to do a very healthy thing for yourself that includes mushrooms, uh, go to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud and you can get your starter pack of mud water today. Matt? Yes. Um, made a typo is the first word of the notes so you know this is going to go off well um (laughs) the national air and space museum is the latest property to be acquired by jeff bezos did you hear about this did you hear about this yes (laughs) Uh, um (laughs) no that uh, that would be the the smithsonian's national air and space museum (laughs) Yes, now the Smithsonian Institute's National Air and Space Museum. Yes. Uh, Jeff Bezos uh, did not buy the museum, but for the low, low price of $200 million, he has the naming rights for the museum. <laughs> it's now, like he wants to be seen as like a Dr. Evil from space from space it's just he wants to be seen from space as dot he wants yes he wants to be seen from space as like this evil person and i don't think he is evil but it's just funny how he's like doing everything you would do to be seen as like a real an actual lex luther it's it's amazing i love it so to be fair 
this does not mean that it's now going to be called whatever he wants to call it. It is still going yes. to be the Smithsonian Institute's National Air and Space Museum. But under the terms of the gift agreement, which is the largest donation that the Smithsonian Institute has ever had, uh, Bezos's name will be displayed on the outside of the Learning Center facing Jefferson Avenue and the National Mall, uh, on the outside of the center facing Independence Avenue, and on an entrance to the center that will be inside the museum. Uh, his name will also be etched onto a glass sculpture that will be suspended from the ceiling of the National Air and Space Museum in honor of donors who have given 10 million or more, which means he just like, he, 10 million or more, and he went, hold my champagne. Yeah. Yep. I am going well beyond this. Screw everybody else. Um, and his name will also appear on another door. Uh, another donor wall at the Air and Space Museum in Virginia, not far from where Lorena Bobbitt cut off the penis. Also, uh, breaking news, uh, John Wayne Bobbitt's penis will have an etching of um, Jeff Bezos' <laughs> name um, that is reserved in an area only for people who have given at least $10 million to the Smithsonian. Um, I'm certain for the right amount of money he would do that. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine he would. I love that it's like, oh, there's more. There's more things his name's going to be on? No. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, there is. Uh, his <laughs> name will be displayed, uh, well, sort of, we already talked about it, but his name will right. be uh, displayed on the Learning Center for 50 years or until the bin building is next renovated whichever is later. Now, one so, of the things that uh, they were talking about in this is there is no morality clause. So Jeff Bezos can go out and do whatever he wants and this is going to be there. So if he turns into Dr. Evil, it, it will become be the Dr. Evil Air and Space Museum. What I love is that it's still called the Smithsonian. Like, he didn't just come in and be like, I want this to be the Bezos Center. But it's going to be the, you know, Smithsonian Air and, uh, Air and Space Museum, National Air and Space Museum. Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos. Like, literally, you walk in and there's a glass etching up here and there's a sign here and there's a learning center there. And um, so he might as well have just called it the Jeff Bezos. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I like to think that uh, when he was offering the $200 million for the naming rights, he thought he was going to be able to rename the museum. Yes. Which is why I quickly and without much thought wrote up 10 things that Jeff Bezos will probably would have probably named the Smithsonian Institute Air and Space Museum. Yes. If he was allowed to. Yes. Are we are we doing either? Uh, uh... Yeah, we go back and forth. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll go with you first. Okay. Uh, number 10, uh, the National Air and Spazos Museum. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Have a great night. Um, uh, Please don't get better. Okay. No, I know. Uh, <laughs> number nine is Air Bezos. Yep. Uh, number eight, the Amazonian Institute of Air and Space. Number uh, seven is Bezos National 
Spacos 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 Museum. Museum. Okay. Museum of Space and Bezo. Yes. Cadabra. The original name for Amazon was Cadabra. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's um, the Fuck You, Elon, Aaron Space Museum. That's my favorite. Uh, Blue Origins Hangar, Future Hangar. I like that one, too. Mm. Uh, the New Shepard Air and Space Museum. Yes, and finally, the for those who thought I wasn't a big enough dick already, welcome to my Air and Space Museum. <laughs> museum. I like that. That's actually my favorite one. I also museum. like Amazium. Oh, that would have been so good. Is that what you said Amazium. to me on the phone last night? That is what I said to you on the phone. But, you know, I thought you, I thought you said the too. Amazonian. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I no, no, no. I said Amazium. So, speaking of dicks, the ATF uh, disclosed to lawmakers that it manages a database of 920,664,765 firearm purchase records, uh, including both digital and hard, hard copy versions of these transactions. That's right. Uh, now, the ATF does deny the trustworthy sources of, yes. of honesty and... Uh, cooth that the ATF happens to be. They deny that these records are used to track guns. Uh, well, yeah. It says it says that it transfers hard copies of the information into searchable digital databases that is used to trace firearms tied to crimes. Yes, but not, you know, tracking the owners, of course, because that's possible to do the other without without tracking the owners, too. Right. Um, uh, in between um, trafficking uh, guns to uh, violent cartels and setting buildings filled with children on fire and then shooting anyone who tries to run out, they reported that the uh, 865,787,086 of the records are already in a digital format. Yes. Now, fun fact for everybody out there, if you are the owner of a firearms shoppy ye old firearm shoppy yes after 20 years you can destroy the records of uh who has purchased which firearms however the biden administration is seeking to alter that law and he wants those records kept forever we lost you uh, you, you froze up for a second, but you, we, we could hear you the whole time. Go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, he wants those records kept forever. Forever, so yeah. Whenever a store, if your ye old firearm shoppy closes, they will just take your records and digitize them and obviously not use them for what they would call a registry because that would be illegal to do. Yes. Now, uh, representative Michael cloud, who is a Republican, uh, from Texas. So that's a good question. Are those FOIA attainable? Um, I, 
can't answer that question. Um, yes. <laughs> I did not even think of that when I was writing this. No, but that's um, a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Representative Michael Cloud uh, states that this means the that 100% of all lawful commercial firearm transfers would eventually end up in ATF in an ATF computer system, thereby creating a permanent database, uh, which is in violation of a gun uh, law against the gun registry here in America, which just goes to show you politicians don't care about laws here in America. Yeah, no, uh, politicians, bureaucrats, and uh, agents, and the police do not care what the law is. They just care what they have to make you do. That's it. That has nothing to do with the law. Uh, the law is a, is a thin veneer of, of control. Now, what I will say, because I talked to uh, a friend of mine who is in the, he has his own ye old gun shoppy. Um, and he said that he has known about this for a while. Uh, the way that they are doing it is it only shows original purchase records or if the shop resells a weapon, private sales aren't on there. So if a gun transfer, if you, if a gun transfers right. from me to spike or, you know, uh, spike to Jason and it's private sale or just a gift, that's not in there so it's not that they would know who has it just who originally purchased it right. and if and whoever purchased it from an authorized dealer after that right so this is actually a part of the atf uh a very powerful strategy they have towards preventing the trafficking of weapons to dangerous uh, people and organizations. Uh, I actually put together this graphic uh, in consultation with the ATF on their Facebook page. Uh, we've gone back and forth a little. Uh, I made this graphic explaining uh, how the ATF uh, prevents, oh, I don't know why that says traffics firearms, uh, but the how they uh, uh, prevent the trafficking of firearms. Um, the uh, uh, First, what happens in police uh, in the U.S. and Mexico uh, ask the ATF, hey, can you stop cartels from getting guns? And then the, they say to the police, yes, and then they get right to work. Uh, then they go off to the bad ideas factory to come up with the worst possible way to stop cartels from getting guns. And what they settle on is that they authorize firearms dealers to sell guns to straw purchasers who buy them directly for the cartels. Uh, and then this way, they can track the guns to the cartels and arrest them all. But that never actually happens. Uh, the cartels then use those guns that they traffic to them uh, to kill hundreds of police and civilians. It's a very powerful strategy, uh, and it continues to cause this to happen. I was reading the small graphic. The yes. Small yes, there's the some bottom. additional information. Uh, Google, Google Operation, Operation Fast and Furious. Google Operation Fast and Furious, don't snitch, uh, never consent to a search without a warrant, uh, never speak without a lawyer present, uh, and then the, the uh, official graphic of the ATF, which in the middle says, we fear dogs. Which is why, as we have said on this show, probably more times than almost anything else, is if you're ever pulled over by the police, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Shut know up. your state's laws on whether or not what what you are required to give in most states you are only required if you're pulled over in your car you are required to give your license uh and you are required to give your uh registration and proof of insurance uh there are some additional states where uh you there are additional questions that they require you to ask 
or require you to answer. But the, in the vast majority of states, literally all you have to do is the police officer comes up and you roll down your window just enough to be able to give them and to receive back your license, your registration, and your insurance. You are not required to speak with them. You are not required to answer any questions. Um, you are not required to uh, talk with them in any way. Uh, it is smart uh, for you to say, I don't answer questions, uh, so that they don't think there's some kind of a uh, uh, you know, a hostage situation or something like that. You simply hand them, say, I don't answer questions, and then shut up. Yep. Shut, shut up. up. Especially shut up. if you think that there is a reason that it would be a bad thing uh, for them to search your car or to continue or expand the investigation. Just shut up. And shut I know up. you are tempted to think that, oh, if I cooperate with them and I just am nice and act whatever, then they'll treat me right. No. Absolutely not. Just shut up. Whatever happens to you there, they don't have evidence from your mouth, which makes any case that they are trying to build. And anytime they pull you over, they are trying to build a case, as big of a case as they possibly can, because that's what their career is based on. Do not give them any evidence or help in accumulating that case. Shut up. Shut up. You know, there who are videos shutting up. Had I had I had I thought <laughs> there were videos that I, I wish I had remembered to get where uh, both police and defense attorneys and prosecutors will give examples of how people saying innocent things under what they didn't realize was an interrogation. When you're being pulled over, it is an interrogation. They would say innocent things that then get twisted in court and then they get found guilty of various crimes because of them just helping the officer and just, you know, making an easy thing of it. Just shut up. Don't talk to them. You know who else is going to be shutting up? Who? The famed ice cream magnate, Stephen Breyer. Oh, famous wow. For, famous for founding Breyer's ice cream. No. Yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, he, the Supreme Court justice, is stepping down from the bench in a strategic move. Some are referring to as the "I'm smarter than RBG." Yeah, the chutzpah. So I, the sheer chutzpah of this woman, who I mean, God rest her soul, who in her eighties <coughs> was like, With "Nah, cancer." With, with cancer. cancer, multiple cancer survivor in her, I believe, early to mid 80s when Obama was president was like, yep. no, I'm going to ride this out because I'm pretty sure that Hillary Clinton is going to get elected. And I don't I, I don't know what I mean, her being replaced a year earlier. What was that going to do? That was bad. And so she just wrote it out. And then. She had to try to survive another. Even four she years. looked at Merrick Garland and went, "No." Yeah, yeah. She looked at Merrick Garland and was like, "No, I want someone no. super progressive to replace me." So, and I'm sure Hillary Clinton's going to do that. Hillary Clinton. Obama wouldn't do it, but Hillary Clinton's going to do but it. But Hillary Clinton's going to do it. Hillary Clinton will definitely do that. And so then Donald Trump gets elected. 
And she spends the next four years trying to pretend that she's not dying. And then she does die because she's well into, I believe, in her 90s. She was 87. 87. Okay. So, yeah. So, she was in her early, mid-80s uh, during most of the Obama years. Eight years she had to ch- And instead, so then she, Donald Trump is president. You know, I don't know how many people that are watching this who have ever had been in a situation where they have to stay alive. And, (laughs) but that's, she was. And so, and again, not only is she old, uh, but she's also was very frail and also a multiple cancer survivor that kept getting cancer. That kept getting cancer. uh, Kept getting cancer. And then a pandemic happens. So, uh, so then she dies and is, and has been replaced. Um, and, uh, uh, so this, so Breyer saw all of that and thought, let's not do that. Okay. So I have a theory about this. I have a theory about this. I don't think that's what happened. I think he was back there talking with Kagan. I don't know. And he was like, yeah. I think that there's a possibility that the Democrats lose the Senate in this next election. I don't know when he said it. If he said it last week, like it's more than a possibility. Like it's a strong possibility. But uh, mm. gas is 350 here in Florida today. The possibility keeps rising. Um, yep. But I think he said something like that. And they, there were already people go, driving around DC saying that Breyer needs to resign and like big signs on their trucks. Uh, they were writing op-eds in the Washington Post saying, we don't care that you have a lifetime appointment. You need to step down. We don't care. And I think he like <coughs> made an offhand comment and he said, yeah, I'm thinking it might be wise for me to step down, but I still feel like I have a couple more years in me. And somebody leaked that in order to push him out. I think that's what happened. I I don't think he wanted to resign, but after it got leaked that he was going to and the pressure was on, I think he had to. Yeah. I I tend to agree. I think that there's been a little bit of uh of uh, skullduggery happening here because I think that these Supreme Court people, I I I think you know, you consider if you're in a job where you basically set your own hours, you don't really have to work a lot. You're regarded as this, like, you know, almost uh, a superhuman sage. figure. What's that? You're like a sage. You're... Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, you're like, like a, 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 an oracle, an oracle or a wise man or a medicine person right. or whatever. And, and so you're like, you know, and you can't be fired under any circumstance. Uh, and it's routine that people die in in on the vet or they die in this role. I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, I'm in my 80s. I've been here 20 years. I'm not going anywhere. And I think that's what happens with these folks. It's certainly what happened with with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I I do think that they're like, nope, this isn't happening because the likelihood of the Democrats maintaining their 50-50 majority. With, with Kamala Harris as the 51st vote is basically that's not smart money. And uh, because as we know, the Libertarian Party is going to have a majority. I'll take that. So right I, 
I, yeah. Where do I bet that? Um, so I, I think that the odds of them, of the Democrats maintaining their majority in the Senate is, is going down. Keep in mind, the Democrats are having to defend, because it's in six-year cycles, the Democrats are having to defend the Senate that was elected in 2016. And if you will recall, that was a bad year for Republicans everywhere but the White House. It was like the reverse of 2020, where the Republicans did well everywhere but in the presidential election. They lost seats everywhere, but obviously getting the White House. So it's already kind they of They still an had control battle. of the Senate, though. What's that? In 16, they still had control of the Senate. They, they did, but they lost seats. So they this lost is. Seats, yeah. yeah, they lost seats. So this was a. What I'm saying is this was a better than even year for the Democrats, which means they had more seats to defend anyway. I the the odds of the odds of the Republicans taking the Senate are very high. And if the Republicans take the Senate, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, whoever replaces Joe Biden soon, uh, is not going to get a single Supreme Court justice through at all. And uh, and. I mean, the odds of uh, if if Joe Biden's up for re-election, I don't think he wins it. And if he dies and is replaced by Kamala Harris, she 100% is never going to be president of the United States. She is more hated than Dick Cheney was. Who shot a man in the face. Who literally, which again, I say shooting a lawyer in the face actually helps your PR. But the, the, um, but the, I, I, Everything the media does to try to make Kamala Harris this likable, you know, cool. Oh, we finally have a, a black woman and look, she's cool and she laughs a lot. Don't listen to it, though. Um, the, I, I think it's so funny what they're trying to do because no one really likes her. Like there isn't a, a demographic or base group that really likes her that much. And she's and and. From a policy standpoint, Joe Biden keeps freaking setting her up for the rope-a-dope. I don't know if it's Joe himself or just his team. They they hand her these impossible tasks so that she fails just to make sure she never tries to primary challenge Joe. And then it lets Joe go, hey, come on, man, you know the thing. Girl power, I know she can do it. And then she's out there not literally being t- given tasks that are impossible to accomplish and even more impossible to accomplish as vice president and people don't like her. She's never going to be president. And so especially with everything going on, that's just destroying uh, the chances for Democrats in 24. Uh, So yeah, if he wants, if, if Breyer or the people managing Breyer uh, or the people who just stabbed Breyer in the back want to replace Breyer with a, uh, with someone who's slightly to the right of uh, or left of Merrick Garland instead of someone who's slightly to the right of Merrick Garland, then this is their chance to do that. Right. Now, <clears throat> Biden, well, Biden's team, Biden hasn't said this because Biden can't yes. string this sentence together. Um, right. <laughs> Biden has stated that he is going to comb the greatest legal minds of this generation to guarantee that he appoints the person with the greatest knowledge of the law with a history of even-handed rulings and sound reasoning and absolutely nothing else. 
There That's is good. no other qualifications specifically he is looking for outside of those things. Good, good. That's good. That's good because the last thing that we need right now with everything that's going on, uh, with all the uncertainty, uh, is for picks for some of the highest offices, arguably the highest office because the buck stops with the Supreme Court, at least in theory, um, for a pick to be made based on something other than their qualifications. Right. And luckily, because we have decorum back in the White House. Yes. We know Hmm. that the pick is going to be made on their qualifications in absolutely nothing else. Yes. Whether it's, uh, you know, Joe Biden... um, swearing at reporters who asked him i mean about inflation fairly basic questions about inflation and the the prospects for the the, the uh, elections uh or whether it's uh, him uh defecating himself in front of the pope um or uh these weird things where he says he's going to do an interview and then everyone is shooed out of the room and it's happened multiple times um because they don't want anyone asking him questions and he keeps forgetting that or when it's him wandering off um <laughs> and, then his team, and then his team saying oh well you know he has a stutter i'm just glad that dignity is back in the white house the last dignity time i was on decorum. it's dignity and decorum. it's been years yeah. it's been it years. has it's been four years and um <laughs> because four. before that we also had all sorts of uh dignity um the um uh, the last time I was on RT was actually at three in the morning. And the uh, reason was, uh, I was told by the Russian government was they wanted me to come on and try to make sense of why, Don- of why, uh, Joe Biden, uh, keeps saying the things he says. And, um, and so I went on and they, and they were, uh, the reporter, uh, was, was really trying to make heads or tails of why he would say these things. And I just kept saying, he is in a state of cognitive decline and any attempt for us to try to make sense of why he said this, not within the filter of this man is sundowning in front of us, uh, is going to fall short because we have to pretend that there isn't an obvious uh, 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 declining of the ability to process and share information and once you have it through that filter now suddenly everything makes sense that didn't stop them from continuing to ask me questions about but why do you think he said well again i think he said this because he is an old man who hasn't been a hundred percent there uh for at least three or four years and has been kind of declining for quite some time I have no segue. So speaking of, <laughs> hey, you know what else is declining? Do you the... know what else people have declining <laughs> trust in? Well, not only do they have <laughs> declining trust in, but there's a thing that's going down, and it's the mortality rate of COVID-19. So according to a new study, 
uh, by researchers at Johns Hopkins, the the yes. the alt right wing hospital university known as Johns Hopkins. Yes. Um, the <laughs> the lockdowns had a significant effect on life in America in almost every way. Mm with the exception of the mortality rate of COVID-19. Yes. Uh, uh, the review of multiple scientific studies estimates that the lockdowns during the early phase of the pandemic reduced COVID mortality by about 0.2%. Mm. We shut down the world for 0.2%. Yes. Point two percent. Uh, now, for researchers for, co for specifically COVID. for COVID increases in other things, but the reduction in COVID. Now, researchers at the sage-like, the Nostradamus-esque Imperial College of London uh, mm. predicted that such steps as the lockdowns could reduce death rates by up to ninety-eight percent. Hmm. That was a big swing and a miss. Yes. The Imperial College of London. Yes. A rare misstep. Uh, but the research paper said that, doc, uh, that lockdowns did have a devastating hmm. effect on the economy and contributed uh, to numerous social problems. Hmm. Uh, according to the report, they have contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, causing political unrest, contributing to violence, uh, contributing to domestic violence, and undermining liberal democracy. Not mm. to mention, which wasn't in the report that I read, um, this is just facts I like to have tucked away for moments like this, but not yes. to mention the 31% increase in alcohol consumption and 29% increase in use of other drugs. Yep. Since COVID began. Now, the long tail of health problems and and uh and societal problems that will come from a 31% increase in alcohol consumption, increases of abuse increases of uh, overdose increases in uh, liver and other uh, organ damage uh, across the board you can't even properly measure because it will take decades someone will die of liver cirrhosis 20 30 years from now having lived a life of alcoholism and all of the the social and and economic and uh healthcare and societal ills that come from that that would not have otherwise done this had the lockdowns and the conditions that were created by the lockdowns happened that's going to happen many times and there's not even a good way to measure that but by simply saying we've seen nearly a one th what wrong wrong one but we're going to go to that in a second a one-third increase nearly one-third increase in alcohol consumption you can't measure how much worse that is than the supposed 0.2% reduction uh, um, in, uh, in, in COVID. 
and the 29% in drug use, like, you know, granted, it doesn't say what drugs. Opiates. I just, just I, yeah, I assume it's <laughs> It's overwhelmingly opiates and, and, uh, there, there might be some cannabis increases there, but it's probably opiates. It's probably, it's probably an increase opiates. in opiates. Yeah. Right. Now, now thankfully, uh, we do know that this did need to happen because there is no Johns Hopkins data that would demonstrate that COVID-19's fatality rate would go down absent these lockdowns and various other man. What is this? What the hell is this? So what this is, and yes, this comes from, oh, I cut it off. This comes from Johns Hopkins. This data is from Johns Hopkins. This is the, uh, the case fatality rate of COVID-19 as measured by all available data by Johns Hopkins University. Um, And what you can see is during that time that they said there was a 0.2% reduction in the COVID fatality rate, that was during the time that at one point they were saying that it was, that the fatality rate was over 6%. Remember that time? Remember that early on? So when they're talking about how the lockdowns quote unquote helped, they're saying that that swoop could have gone as high as 0.2 higher than that before normalizing back down to the actual rate that it was uh, ended up being, which was just below 2%. So that would have happened anyway. And again, that was after where, where that swoop that you're seeing there where it goes down below 2% and then kind of stays there. That was after the bulk of all the lockdowns and other the most restrictive measures that we had in the u.s so that 0.2 percent would have literally is literally just a data manipulation that they're talking about and now looking further it kind of stayed steady at that point at that two percent rate and by the way this is a case fatality rate where they measure uh confirmed covid cases to uh to confirmed deaths from people who had covid Okay, this does not include the people who got COVID, never knew it. This does not include the people who got COVID, did a home test, didn't bother telling anyone, just stayed home. This does not include, in other words, uh, take this fatality rate and cut it in half. So the, the, at, at least. Um, and now, if you look towards the end there, see where it went down to now it's just above 1%. It's at point like... 0.17 or 0.18% now. That's from Omicron. And who here has heard of the uh the the testing shortages where literally millions or tens of millions of people knew they had COVID, were treated as though they had COVID and never got confirmed for having COVID because there just weren't any tests in their area to test that they have COVID. So even in the midst of that, the case fatality rate went down much more than 0.2%. It nearly halved itself. And that number is actually much lower. It's even more than half of a reduction because during Omicron, there was a huge testing shortage. So we're probably looking at COVID now having similar fatality numbers to, mm, probably still higher than the flu, but maybe three times higher or four times higher than the flu instead of 10 times higher than the flu, which is what we were told. So when they're talking about a 0.2% reduction, that would be during that period between uh, the beginning of this chart and say right before where it says November 16th. 
So that 0.2% they're saying is literally just data manipulation. It's not an actual reduction of COVID-19. According to their own numbers, it's not a reduction in actual fatality rate. But what there was an actual increase of was terrible things across the board. What, so what the study did was they took a, a period of time, and I don't remember what the period of time is right now, um, and it was estimated that over the course of this period of time, and I'm going to have to just make up these numbers, uh, right. 98,210 uh, 98, people are going to die. The amount of people that died were 97,000. Right, 90, yeah, 90. Something, yeah, something, yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it was what was estimated versus what actually happened. And it's like, wow. Like you look at that, it's like, okay, that's roughly a thousand people. But when you go, that's 0.2% of the population, you shut down everything. And now you have 30% uh, more drinking going on, 29, 31% more drinking going on, 29% increase in drug use, which is going to cause so many problems later on. And a lot of these people are going to go in and they're going to have issues, uh, you know, liver issues or overdose issues. And it's going to say, were they vaccinated? No. Well, we can't treat them. Do you know one of, yes. And now there's that as well. And, uh, you know, one of the, the strongest indicators for, uh, people having mental health problems or people having, uh, uh, suicide issues. One is addiction and two is being the child of someone with addiction. They created generational problems with this in order to, according to them, potentially save the lives of hundreds, maybe thousands of people or not. And in, and cause ripple effects generation. And we're just looking at alcoholism and drug abuse. That's before you get into the, into the economic devastation they've caused the, the supply chain devastation they've caused, which in this country is leading to shortages and high prices in other countries is leading to people starving to death because their supply chain was even more brittle and their their need for access was even worse than ours was. But they definitely, but they, they might have, this thing that now has, you know, continues to plummet, they might have been able to reduce it by as much as 0.2% during that time and if you consider the fact that they want this data to look good it's probably lower than 0.2 percent and 0.2 percent is basically the margin of error this is a rounding error this is yeah we might have saved lives it's astounding that they are still trying to pretend that this had any net benefit when every their own data when analyzed by someone who knows how to can just read numbers shows that it's the opposite. This was a huge net harm that was done. This was awful. And legitimately all this did hurt people economically, socially, personally, and it increased drug use, increased uh, alcohol addiction. Uh, it hurt people, It kids. I can't even explain the damage that has been done to children yep. uh, mentally. Uh, over the course of this uh this is very important for learning how people are the being able to see this part of your face is very important yep. to learn how to interact with people and you <coughs> took that and you're still trying to take it from people in certain areas of the country but you are trying to take that ability 
away from kids where they can learn and adapt and kind of figure out how it is that people react to situations. You're taking it from them and they're gonna, the, the damage that is going to be done from that alone isn't gonna be seen for 10, 15, 20 years. Child development, the younger a child is, and the more you reduce their ability to see people's faces, and I'm not, I'm not a child development expert, but I've read enough uh, uh, studies and articles that have come out over the last couple of years, there is a major harm to child development that, again, is going to be hard to measure. They're going to have to compare you know, this four-year group of kids to before and after. And this is like a forgotten generation they're creating, a, a neglected generation of kids who are already experiencing reductions in, in efficacy. They were they were taken out of class. They were there are some classes where they're making the kids wear masks on the Zoom call to create an environment of masking. And it's like, what are you doing to these kids? Like, well-adjusted adults have a hard time with this stuff. Children have no perspective to to compare it to it's just disgusting what they did but but according to their own data that they manipulated as much as they could as much as two point two percent of people were prevented from dying of covid that's hundreds of people it's just disgusting and again again anytime they try to point this out just remember this chart and for those who are listening to this this is a great time to go and check us out on, on YouTube or on Float or on Facebook or on one of the things where we have video. But if you if you Google uh, COVID case fatality rate by country, uh, there's a website called Our, Our World in Data. And they have this, this chart and you can add all the different countries. And what we have seen across the board was that during the time of the lockdowns, the fatality rates were through the roof, mostly because they just didn't have tests, especially in the US. They didn't have tests. And because they also had some pretty crappy ways that they were dealing with people that had severe COVID in the hospitals, and they've gotten better with it. Also, COVID itself has gotten more mild, and also uh, vaccination has, uh, and and vaccination isn't the reason for that sudden drop off at the end. But there definitely is data that shows that, especially vulnerable people who were likely to die when they get vaccinated, it reduces their chances of dying. All of these things have combined to bring down. Uh, but but by the way, I just want to I want to have a side note here. I know we're talking way longer than we were supposed to about this. But the vaccine came out uh, in the end of uh, end of, of 2020. So if you're looking at this chart, that's right around when it plateaued. OK, and then the next time that you see a big drop, there's kind of this steady uh, sideways down action on the on the fatality rate. Uh, uh, case fatality rate for COVID. The next big drop that you see is the most recent one during the Omicron wave. And that's at a point where uh, we've kind of plateaued at the amount of vaccination. So I do believe, uh, you know, and there's, there's all sorts of studies of who's in the hospital, who's dying unvaccinated versus vaccinated and so forth to demonstrate that the vaccine uh, has reduced the um, uh, likelihood of getting severe illness or death, especially for those most vulnerable to it. But in real world terms, it's not the because they will try to claim as this fatality rate continues to drop, as COVID becomes less and less severe, they will try to claim that it's because of the vaccines. Look at their own data. 
That's not what happened. It certainly had some contribution, but that's not why. It's because the virus itself is becoming more mild. That's why there's that sudden drop off with Omicron. It's because it's, uh, as we've been saying for a year now, viruses, especially coronaviruses, mutate to become less um, severe and more transmissible over time. And that's what's happening. And look what they did to you and how they destroyed your life in order to, to do this nonsense. Now, we're going to do the opposite of destroying your life. We're going to do something that brings joy to your life and increases the COVID fatality rate by as much as 0.2%. Um, the, uh, we, that's not going to do that. Uh, and that is the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor Colin moment. It's not going to cause fatality rates to go up. Um, and uh, it's brought to you by Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you want to sue us for potentially making the COVID fatality rate go up as much as 0.2%, well, it better not be in Florida, pal, because we'll use personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, to sue you back. If you want money, big, stupid stacks of cash, and you've been personally injured, well, great news if you're in Florida. If you're not in Florida, I don't know what to tell you. But if you are in Florida, if you go to ChrisReynoldsLaw.com, Chris Reynolds, and I make this promise to you right now in this moment, Chris Reynolds will get you a, such so much money that if you were to have it converted into $20 bills, you would not be physically able to carry it. No one you know would be able to physically carry the stacks of 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 uh, Jacksons that that he can get you. Tubmans, the stacks of the Tubmans. Tubmans of Jacksons and Tubmans. Uh, and if you were to convert it into uh, five dollar bills, then your entire family couldn't even pick it up. And if you were to convert it into one dollar bills, that's not even possible. The bank will say no. We don't. That's you're taking all our ones. Why are you doing this? Personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, chrisreynoldslaw.com. Now let's pull up the, do we have calls? Yes. Oh, good. Hold on. Yeah. It's been, it's been so long. It's making me log back into everything because I've been, <laughs> holy crap. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah, so we got a, a few. I didn't think about that when I was doing these notes. I would have cut some stories. <laughs> It's actually not that bad. I'm just going to play all of Matt Hicks's back-to-back, and then this will actually be pretty good. Okay, uh, here's the first one from the uh, from the Magpie Libertarian. Hello, Matt and Spike. Why is that happening? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you know it's a Muddy Waters Media production when there's a audio issue. <clears throat> all right, let's try that again. Hello, Matt and Spike. This is Magpie Libertarian calling with a Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor Colin moment. And I have a question about transportation and resolutions. (coughs) So I am sitting in a wonderfully airline-induced vacation, extended vacation, and trying to get home before I lose my Alaska residency. I am wondering what specifically I and others can do to get transportation in this country back to functional. And 
wondering too if I'm going to be spending a, an extra week vacation if my next three flights, uh, any of them get canceled, will I be in Las Vegas for a while? So looking forward to hearing your ideas. Let's get started. I hope you got home. Yeah. I was going to say, hopefully you're, how long ago was that? Three weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you're home now. Um, so transportation's a tricky one because most of the transportation issues we're seeing right now are really just labor issues. They don't have enough people. I travel a lot and I've had a lot of canceled flights and I, I get insurance every time that I fly because I often have to stay at a hotel overnight, you know, get something to eat and then hopefully get out the next day. Uh, usually get out the next day. I think there was only one time where I had to stay a whole extra day. And uh, there's nothing they can do about it because they're already working on, you know, a, the most, you know, skeleton crew that they can assemble and still comply with the law. And frankly, it's not even comply with the law. It's just be able to function in a, in a, in a functional way. And uh, they just can't. If something, if a weather inconvenience comes that causes a patch of cancellations here, it causes this cascade effect because their their entire labor situation is so brittle and hanging on by a thread. If there is any kind of uh, um, uh, firings that are happening, or not firings, if there's any kind of like um, uh, uh, even even like a, a, a issue with um, a, a gas shortage at a specific, which is a supply chain issue, at a specific airport that throws everything out of control. Um, something that wasn't really an issue in the past, but was now with Omicron, just the sheer number of people that got sick. Not so sick that they ended up in the hospital or dead, but sick enough where they couldn't work. That was a This was the first surge that was so big that it actually truly affected the workforce. In a, in a like substantial way where so many people called in sick at the same time. Um, and, and, and what this really comes down to is the U.S. government has been regulating a war against working in the U.S. for decades. And it's finally catching up to us. So the problem with the transportation system is the same problem with the supply chain, which is the same problem with getting... Uh, you know, protective equipment to hospitals, which is the same problem with the testing shortage. It's the same problem with all this stuff. Deregulate the economy so you can have more providers, more competition, more dynamic uh, changes in production and, and, and standards, and get government out of it. Government created this mess. Yep. Yes. So, um, what can I add to that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right, let. All right, let's. You just uh, kind of looked next... at me like, okay, go. And I'm like, okay. What? Do you... You're... I disagree. You <laughs> son of a bitch. We need a. I think we fund. need more regulate. <laughs> <coughs> um. All right. Next one is from Alex Boyer. Hello, hello, Alex from Virginia calling in on the personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney law anchor. Call in moment. And I want to talk to you guys today about probably the biggest problem, controversy, 
whatever facing America in the year 2022. And that is oh. right now there is a major league baseball lockout. There's they've been locked out since December 1st, I believe. So going on for a little over a month. Um, the, the, obviously this is a huge, huge problem, probably bigger than anything this country has ever faced since 1994. And I was just wondering what you guys think about it. What do you think should be done about it? Thank you. This is definitely a Matt question. (laughs) Spike, what are your thoughts? Uh, here, well, actually here, because I have no, I I didn't even know there was a lockout. Um, but here's what I will say. I used to be a huge baseball fan as a kid. And then the 1994 strike happened and I watched players argue. You're old enough to remember the 1994 strike. Wow. Wow. What's that one? Do you, do you wake up hurting? Yes, actually. Yes. (laughs) I woke, I woke up hurting back then. You have no idea how old I am. Uh, no, I, I. I watched players argue with, you know, and union leaders arguing with um, managers. And I just, I'm like, there's so much money. I get that you're arguing over who make, but like so much money's being thrown around. There's got to be a way to make this work. And sure enough, they didn't. And that really soured me so much that I never got, I was a huge baseball fan. I had all these baseball cards. I knew all the stats. I was a, a you know, I, I knew all about the different, what you could tell me a year and I could tell you what uh, what team won the, the World Series that year. And then when the 95, I was 12, when the 94 strike happened, I was like, done. And I've like almost lost all, every once in a while I'll remember like some random thing or whatever, but like, I stopped caring about it. I stopped watching it. I would occasionally watch the last game of the World Series to see who won. But I just I it, and so many people will not watch baseball again because of this. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, you're right. Um, you are right. Who won the World Series in 1986? Um... It wasn't the Yankees. Um, it was not the Yankees. Was that the year that? Because I remember like the the um, Mets won in like '68 or '69, and then Amazing they won Mets. again. Was the Mets in '68 or '69? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Mets. Okay, okay. Yeah, they made yeah, and but then I remember they did it again shortly after that. But I don't think that was '86. No, that was 86. That was the year that the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs in the ninth inning. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Morrissey, Bill Buckner won it for the Mets. He did. Um, yeah. Terrible day in Red Sox history. Terrible, terrible day. Now i got to look it up. See, this is the stuff I would have known in the past, and I've, like, vacated this information. Yeah, it was the Mets. Uh, the ball went through Buckner's legs. Uh, the score was tied in the ninth inning. He, all he had to do was step on first base. and It was the Mets. Okay, it. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay, cause that's what I was – because I remember there was like – it was like almost 20 years later, and then they won again. So it was the Mets. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. it was the Mets. Um, so I'm a baseball fan, as anybody who watches this show probably yep. already knows. I'm a sports fan in general. Spike's definitely looking forward to the Super Bowl this year.
I imagine this is going to be a Super Bowl spike watches. Isn't it like the Bengals versus the freaking Rams? Yes. Yeah, but the halftime show is Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Dr. Oh, Dre, yeah. Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige. It's like it's like a a, a, a old millennial, young Gen X uh, hip hop extravaganza. Hip-hop, yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, With I love my it. favorite love team it. playing because um, I'm a Rams fan. But yes. um, yeah, so I'm a sports fan and I love baseball. A uh, huge Red Sox fan, and uh, this lockout still. I think he left that message three weeks ago, and this lockout is still going on. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report to camp. I believe on Valentine's Day, I think February 14th. Um, it's, if it's not the 14th, it's the 15th, which means that uh, if they don't have this settled soon, spring training is going to get pushed. Uh, and that doesn't mean that they will push opening day later. It just means there will be less spring training time. Right. Uh, if this <coughs> continues going on, uh, that means that opening day will get pushed and then they'll have to decide on extending the season or shortening the season. Uh, making the season go later into the year or cutting the number of games, um, neither of which I am okay with. Uh, now, from what I understand is they are close on a deal. There's only like two to three issues that are kind of holding it up. Uh, so I'm hoping that they can get it uh, kind of sorted out before next week when it's uh, truck day and the teams put all of their equipment on trucks to drive them down here to Florida where spring training happens. And uh, I can go to some spring training games because they are cheaper to go to than actual baseball games. Um, And you can also like interact with the players a little bit, which is nice. Um, So, so I am uh, hoping that they get it sorted out, but it's, it is millionaires fighting with billionaires over yep. money. That is what this is. And yes, I saw somebody in the comments ask about minor league. Yes, this does affect minor league too, because the owners have to pay all the people all the way down. And that's part of what this is about, is they're saying that the minor leagues aren't getting paid enough, which they aren't. They are not getting paid enough. Um, yep. they're, they're getting paid like 30,000, 40,000 a year to play baseball. Um, which and a lot of the expenses is on their own and they have to pay for a lot of the travel on their own and they don't get like all of the perks of being in the big leagues. Yeah, that, they are getting it to pay, to play a game and I would take 40 grand to play baseball right now. But uh I'm not good. So <laughs> I'm better I'm better than a 6-year-old. I know that, but I am yes. not better than a 20-something year old who has been practicing for so long uh who is good at baseball yeah right fun fun uh sports fact for you since you stopped watching baseball right when the expos folded the last active the last how do i word this the last person that the expos drafted that was still playing baseball retired this week Really? Yeah. That was Tom Brady. Wow, that is a... Wait, Tom Brady, the football player? Yeah. He was drafted as a catcher in like 1994 or something like that. Oh, wow, okay. And um, he ended up turning it down to go to college, and then he became Tom Brady. But 
there is a chance that he would have become a Washington national and been their catcher. Because the Expos became the Nationals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, that's quite a bit of of, of uh, but see, that's the kind of stuff I would know. Like I, I, I knew like all this obscure stuff, and I was really, really into baseball. And I don't think they can underestimate, they can overestimate how many people, young, especially younger people, who just are like, I'm not into it. And then they go and find other stuff that they're into, and they never get back to it. Uh, yeah. So hopefully they they get this lockout worked out because that strike just to this day I'm not I'm just really In not all into fairness, baseball. Steroids saved baseball. I know that they aren't letting people who took steroids into the Hall of Fame, and like I have mixed feelings on it. Um, but oh, if the, it wasn't for steroids, the, the home the run 19, races and all that, yeah, the yeah with uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and then Barry Bonds who was a contact hitter for a while, and then. He was like, man, Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa are getting all of this amazing press and attention. I want that. I'm going to go do what they're doing. And then everybody's like, well, Barry Bonds is a juicer. Um, he is. Uh, so is Roger Clemens. Um, but, but steroids saved baseball. Saved it. You want to take that out? Take you, you. You can whitewash the hell out of that. But anybody who remembers steroids saved baseball. Well, I mean, Michael Phelps will tell you right now he's never swam in a in a undoped field. Like it, it, doping is so. The fact that they still try to pretend that doping isn't at least present, if not prevalent, in every major sport you're fooling yourselves like i mean it, it's it, it's just not like i remember when sammy soso went from being this relatively skinny infield player to suddenly being this gigantic monster who was freaking slamming balls out of it. i'm like what the hell happened i that was so i remember sammy sosa earlier in his career and they're like yeah sammy sosa's be- beating the home run record i'm like sammy sosa and I was like the same like little I think he was like a shortstop or something. He uh he was an outfielder, but yeah, like he was. Oh, was he an, an outfielder? outfielder? I thought he was an infielder. Yeah. But he went from being but this he... like little skinny guy to this freaking gigantic monster. Oh no, that's not steroids. He's just been, you know, hitting the hitting the gym. Hitting the gym. Yeah, that I mean, Barry, <coughs> Bonds, Barry Bonds did the same thing. I remember I watched Barry Bonds when he was a minor league player, uh when he was coming up with the Pirates. Um yep. and uh it was like him and uh Bobby Bonilla and oh god, what was that other guy's name? The other B name, <coughs> but they all played at the Prince William Pirates. That's who the minor league team was <coughs> at the time. I don't know who it is now, but they yep. were all playing there. Like we had this massive influx of amazing star power there, and it was so much fun to go to games. Uh, but they were all these tiny little dudes, and then. Uh, I always heard about Barry Bonds, but because you didn't have MLB packages or anything like that, you couldn't catch whatever right. name. And then when I saw him again years later, I was like, is that the same Barry Bonds that used to, that, that was here? Because I'm built like that Barry Bonds. Right. That guy's built like not <coughs> me. Isn't the, is, is, are the Mets still paying Bobby Bonilla? Like, is that still they a might, thing? They might be. That's be. I love that. I love that that guy got so much freaking money. Um, all right, cool. So here are we have two from. Let me play the first one and we'll see if 
it makes sense to just play the second one too. But uh, two from uh, Steve Witt. So here's that. Hey, what's up, guy on left and Spike Cohen. This is Steve Witt calling in on the Chris Reynolds Attorney at Law anchor call-in moment. And I just wanted to say that I am thankful that you guys survived the Cove AIDS in the aftertimes. You guys have missed a lot of news over the past two weeks or so. So hopefully this is a great episode and you cover the majority of it. And thank you all for doing what you do. I'll play the second one because this is probably him being saying how disappointed he is in us. Hey, guy on left and Jason, Jason Lyon. You're not Spike <laughs> Cohen. Yeah. You guys uh, are um, trying to uh, kill Spike there, huh? Huh? <laughs> oh, no, that was earlier. Come on. Why are you trying to kill your best friend like that? All right, Jason. <laughs> Go ahead and try to rise up to the plate. I know you can do it. To be clear, that wasn't when they tried to kill me. It was the first day of this year when they said, oh, here, have some egg. Oh, oh, you don't. You found the egg. Here, have some gluten. Oh, you have. Here, sit in this chair for two hours. And then that was when I got COVID. We probably we actually spit so, in your mouth like that. Yeah, that was probably, uh, I mean, that, in retrospect. That was, that was where Inviting we were me to lick all of your doorknobs was probably like. So I. You did it. Like, that's not on me. You, you said, well, yes. you know, I mean, I'm, you know, you were so hospitable. So I, I, I but I think I just to make it clear, you. to make it clear, we don't know for certain that's when everyone got COVID. No, we just know that everybody got sick two days later. Yes. But we don't know. Because the thing is like, I mean, well, there's a good chance it was us that brought it because we had done a new big New Year's Eve thing, big New Year's Eve salsa thing, very touching random people. And then before that, we went to a wedding and a party. And then, although I think that was too far back. So there, I, it, there was a few. I may have tried to kill you. In exchange, while I tried to kill, while you. you were trying, we might have been trying to kill each other. But I think Jason. So this is my theory. This is my theory. Jason planned this. This is my theory. Uh, Jason planned this. <clears throat> even though I love Jason, and huge shout out to uh, Jason and Kelsey who had a big win. We're not going to go into it, but Jason and Kelsey yes. had a huge win yep. this week, and can't be yes. happier for him. But Jason was trying to kill you off so he could be in the wedding party. Wow. Yeah. He knew it's how to an, get to you. It's an alpha move. I'll give him that. It, it, it's alpha. That is an alpha move. That's an alpha move. It's a power move is what it is. It is. And it failed. But uh, but just you're barely. Try to take out, just, if you're going to try to take out the king, Jason, you can't miss. You got to go. You got to go hard. Now I'm just. Now I'm only hobbled. Um. Okay, so this next one is from T. Marie. Good evening, everyone. This is Patricia Marie calling. Um, I am now a member of the COVID Club. Thank you, Muddy Waters Media, for making me a member of the team. 
go COVID. Um, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad everybody's pulling through. I'm uh, on day two of positive COVID. It's been an interesting month, nonetheless. But, um, yeah, 2022 is by far the shittiest year on this rock. But anyways, um, it was January. glad everybody's okay. Um, I'm not making a whole lot of sense because COVID sucks mm-hmm. and COVID brain fog is the absolute worst. Yeah, it's not. No, but she said go COVID. And again, I'd just like to be clear. I'm anti-COVID. Uh, we are very much mm. against. It's, it is not enough to be against COVID. You must be actively COVID negative. It's not enough to just not like COVID. You must be actively COVID negative. And if you're not, then you're a racist. Hard to so argue with stop. that logic. Uh, yeah, uh, T. Marie, sorry that uh, we gave you COVID through the computer. Um, yeah. Our, our deepest condolences. Hope you pulled. I hope you pulled through. Yeah, I was gonna say. I hope uh, you're okay. Um, you're not in the comments, which has me worried. Uh, <laughs> sure, she's just busy. Yes, just to go, Mitchell. Uh, you could also be passively anti-COVID, um, which is when you uh, have a COVID infection and don't like it. Which was me, because I did not like that shit. <laughs> I did not all. like. You know what my favorite part of COVID not. was? Your favorite part of COVID? My favorite part of COVID. Mm, I don't know. There was one day I slept for fifteen hours, and man. oh gosh, the sleep. Yeah. <laughs> now, as someone who got, <clears throat> and just to let people know, um, I, when I say I got hit hard with COVID, I got pneumonia. I got, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Pink eye. Uh, conjunctivitis. Conjunctivitis. I got, like, it hit me. I was like, with COVID. Um, it was bad. And um, I'm still dealing with it. I actually was in doctor's appointments all day. I have some mild lung damage and a lot of inflammation. And it's going to take a couple few weeks for me to get back to 100%. I'm definitely a thousand. I could not have done this last week and I I would have been sleeping the week before. So I mean, I'm a thousand times better. I don't have COVID anymore. No fever. The eyes are clear. I've only had one coughing spell during this whole thing and it wasn't even that bad. Like I'm I'm a thousand. But um, all that to say, I'm still sleeping. So I'm now in this really cool phase where I don't have like the bad COVID part, but I'm still really fucking tired all the time. So I sleep like, and those who know me on social media, I am a biphasic sleeper. So I usually sleep about two to three, maybe four hours this time. And then I'll sleep, maybe get a nap in there somewhere between. And then I'm just doing shit all day long. So that's why I'm always commenting on Facebook and on Twitter. And, and you would think that I have a team doing all this and it's all just me. I now have this new type of biphasic sleeping where I sleep for 8 to 12 hours this time. 
and then I do it again on on another time of the day, sometimes sleeping as much as 17 to 18 hours a day. And man, you know what's really good? Sleeping a lot. That's good stuff. And to be fair, the conjunctivitis probably wasn't from COVID. We let Jack Lloyd fart right directly on your face. Oh wow! Okay, so that was just a secondary. That was yeah. That was secondary. That wasn't. That had nothing okay. to do with the COVID. So that was from Jack Lloyd. Okay, that makes that sense. Was from Jack. Lloyd. So that was a that was the philosopher and Jack Lloyd uh, gave yes. you conjunctivitis. They gave you conjunctivitis. Yes. No. I uh, I will. Uh, I, I I'm definitely enjoying the sleep, um, coupled with the not gasping for air when I wake up. Uh, yeah, that's. So the, that's big. Those two, those two things are nice. Because then now I sleep and I wake up and I'm like, "Wow, how long did I sleep for?" And I look at my phone and I'm like, "To see the time." And I'm like, "That's impressive." And then sometimes I fall back asleep, but I don't wake up like and and coughing. Um, so it's it's good. I think I could have beat my. I think I could have beat like the record that I had the 15 hours or whatever it was. But uh, Fenway, our puppy. Um, he was not having it anymore. He was yes. tired of me. He thought that I was being lazy, and he has these paws that are tiny little fists. Yes. <laughs> and he enjoys slapping you in the face with them when he, he thinks you need to wake up. See, I had the exact opposite problem. I have – we have this toy poodle, which, first of all, just that sentence is so weird because I'm a pit bull guy. Like, we have pit bulls and Rottweilers and, like – great danes and big dog we don't right now so anyway we got this toy poodle and uh and so his thing was when i was recovering he would sleep either on my lap or on my chest or right next to me and he's basically like this tiny heating pad so i would fall asleep and if he was on me i definitely wasn't waking up um so uh that's uh but he he uh that certainly helped with my sleeping um are we gonna do all these Matt Hicks ones? I don't care. <laughs> let's just play them all back to back. Um, let's just play them all back to back, and then we'll we'll be through that. Here we go. I'm gonna have to get it. Well, hello just there, just guy on left area. and Spike. This is <laughs> Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney of Liger, calling moment. Yeah. I haven't called for a while because I've been really busy with school and work and all of this. Um, I've been working at the public defender's office uh, for the last couple of weeks, and we can argue about the legitimacy of laws enforcing penalties for victimless crimes all you want. I get it. But I have this advice for everyone. If you are currently on probation for a DUI, which you got for driving the wrong way on an interstate highway, you should make sure that you don't get another DUI. Hashtag laser legend. <coughs> Hypothetically. Hypothetically. That is also called the uh, Adam Freeman advice. Uh, Wait, but would Adam's advice be to do that? Or no? To no, Adam would definitely tell you not to do exactly okay. that. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Listen. So, I, you know, possibly the person who did that is as a direct result of the increase in alcohol consumption <laughs> during true. this troubling time. Like, this is a perfect example of the kind of shit that happens 
you know, so that Johns Hopkins can reduce the fatality rate uh, by as much as 0.2%. And now Matt Hicks is having to help defend this poor schmuck who uh, just, he doesn't like driving sober. It doesn't feel good. Um, it just doesn't feel drunk. right. It, I mean, it is better. I mean, okay, so as someone who allegedly may have driven in the past on all sorts of intoxicants, it's mm. fun. It's fun. Part of the fun I st- I still is that you I don't care if driver. you die. Go ahead. I still say I was a better drunk driver than I am a sober driver. Because My you were so, day- like, conscious of... I mean, yeah, I mean, my one DUI, I got one DUI um, okay. where I blew double the limit. And the dude was like, uh, if you didn't reek of alcohol, I would assume that you were just speeding. But you reek of alcohol. and Well, that's a compliment, a, kind of. Yeah. And you have a handle of vodka sitting right next to you. That's half empty. <laughs> Absent those things, though. <laughs> Absent those things? Would have gotten I'd have been none the wiser. Yeah. That's a compliment. Yeah. I, on the other hand, had absolutely no business driving. I once drove what I could only describe as sideways, where, like, the road was going this way, and I was running perpendicular to it. Um, so, but it was fun. But what was fun about it is it's almost like a dreamlike state, and you don't really uh, care if you die, because you're not 100% sure it's real what's happening. All that to say, it's a good thing that I've been sober for 16 years now, is what I'm trying to say. It's a good thing I've been sober for seven. It's Our sobriety is good, for, for yes, mostly point, for Hannah traffic Lee, safety reasons. Hannah Lee says 0.08 is an arbitrary number. Yes, it is. 100%. Yes. It is an arbitrary number. It means and nothing. And they were talking about putting it to 0.05, to which I just said, well, this is no longer trying to stop anything. This is now fundraising. That's that's fundraising. That is, you drank yesterday and last night, and then woke up in the morning. Like that's stupid. We, that it the point five is point zero five is dumb. Point a, a non-zero number. Um. Now we're getting somewhere, especially when coupled with other things. Right. So point, imagine point, taking the breathalyzer test. That's where that's where the number. That's where the action starts. Uh, so imagine, for example, being at a club in Myrtle Beach and blowing in the breathalyzer no. as kind of a challenge. This again was well, pretty yeah. COVID. Uh, and then saying, <laughs> "All right, I'm ready," because uh, the number reached challenge level. It's a good thing I'm sober. It's a good thing I'm sober. All right, here's we'll just play these for Matt Hicks. Well, hello again, Guy on Left and Spike Cohen. This is Matt Hicks da, 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 calling again on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call in moment to you. Um, I want to weigh in on Ukraine briefly. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that if you're not from the Ukraine or from Russia, this is all really academic and none of our business, so we probably shouldn't start a war there. Um, having said all that, there's a lot of people talking about the root causes of it, without really addressing the one root cause of it. And that's the Treaty of Pereyaslav, which was signed, I think, in uh, 1654. I I could be full of shit on that, but I think that's the right date. Um, It all comes down to whether or not that was a treaty of equals or a treaty of subordination between the Ukraine and Russia. 
Hashtag laser legend. I thought he was talking about the treaty where the um, where the Ukraine agreed to give up its nukes in exchange for U.S. protection, which was the dump. Don't if you're a, a any anyone watching this who is the head of state or a, a major figure in a country that oh, yes. has nuclear weapons, do not agree to that. Both of those people. <laughs> Both of those people do not agree. Because I don't think we should honor it. Because who would we be defending it against? Russia! So it's like, okay, to stop this second-tier country in terms of its, of its, you know, it's not a world power. Uh, this, this, I shouldn't say second-tier, this non-world power, regional power country. To get it to stop having nuclear weapons for some reason... We're going to say, give us your weapons, or we're going to destroy your weapons. And in exchange, if you were to ever have a territorial dispute uh, with Russia, we're going to have a direct hot war over it. How does that, like, it's like saying, hey, give me your gun that you are using to try to keep that, uh, you know, gang of uh, terrorists next to you or i don't want to say gang of terrorists because i don't want to compare russia but this this country that this these neighbors you have that you have a long sordid history of disagreement with and they're heavily heavily armed it could blow up the whole block give up your guns to keep them at bay and in exchange if anything ever pops off we will come over with our gigantic uh arsenal and trigger what could potentially destroy the entire neighborhood that's that's what that agreement is. I don't know the thing it did, Matt's talking about from 500 years ago, but I'm sure that's relevant. I'm certain. I'm certain. <laughs> I'm All certain. right, here's the next one. Hey, guy on left and Spike, this is Matt Hicks calling in again on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at Lawyer, calling Moment TM. Uh, this is in regards to my first message um, about the whole DUI thing. So, uh, Initially, when I started working at this public defender's office, I had to watch uh, oftentimes several hours of body cam, dash cam video um, to see if there was something exculpatory we could use. Now, what I've learned is that I'm actually doing it because I need to see how bad it is because drunk people never shut up. Listen, for all your listeners out there, please practice this. When you are talking to the cops, Stop. Don't do it. If you get arrested, shut up. I don't care how drunk you are. Stop talking. Just shut up. Shut up, please. That's all I got. Hashtag okay. legend. That is a lawyer in training who is clerking at a public defense. If you're not going to listen to me and Matt, listen to him. Shut up. Just shut whatever you think you are doing. Every At best, you will not give them evidence. Yep. You are doing nothing to help your case. No one has ever said anything to a police officer except for I'm a police officer to get them out of being arrested. Okay. Or I'm a politician or whatever. Like nothing you can say as I'm a, a non-police officer, non-elected official is going to get you out of anything. All it will do, if it does anything, will get you into more shit. So shut up. I lost track of the things. Okay. I think this is the next one. Yo, guy on left and Spike Cohen, it's your boy Matt Hicks calling on the personal injury.
injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment, TM. Uh, I left you some messages like last week, but you didn't do your show. I don't know if you're going to play them, whatever. I'm not going to go back over some old stuff. Um, I just wanted to call and let you guys know that I have a, a day in court tomorrow with my mm. with, a, with a local governmental entity who uh, decided that they don't have to listen to my FOIA request. So I'm going to wreck their day. And to all of your listeners, you too can do just this. Wish me luck. It's going to be awesome. I'll give you a full report uh, next week, I guess. Anyway, yeah, love you guys. Hashtag Laser Legend. Yeah, he has been battling his school district. I believe that's what this is over. He has been battling his uh, school board. Uh, and, I mean, they, like, were just straight up buying cars and giving them to people. Like, I mean, it's, like, the most corrupt thing in this small town area. And he has been taking them on almost single-handedly. They've tried to get him arrested. It's always failed. He's, like, everything they've done has fallen apart because he's playing chess and they're playing, you know, I don't know, (laughs) pigeon checkers or whatever. Like, they have, they don't, they're they're small-town corrupt officials who've never actually had anyone challenge them. steal the taxpayers' money. Yeah, they just are just, yeah, they just play steal and don't even try to cover it up and he's just wrecking all their shit all right here's the last one from matt well hello there again guy on left and spike this is matt hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney chris reynolds attorney at law anchor call in moment tm a little bit of legal information that i'm sure will infuriate all of you um so if you're ever charged and on trial for a crime before the trial happens and discovery is going on the prosecution is compelled and obligated to give over whatever evidence they have to the defense. Yes. But they get their evidence from the police, generally. And the police are compelled to give evidence to the prosecutors, but the police are not compelled to do a thorough and accurate investigation. They can completely ignore exculpatory evidence and not investigate it at all. Hashtag laser legend. Yeah. uh, The system incentivizes prosecution. And if you want to be really upset, uh, there's something called, it's on Netflix called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. And it shows two different examples where uh, the drug testers, the people that test the drugs to say whether they're the actual drug or not, one was uh, pretending, was just passing them all through as positive uh, because she was trying to have this incredible case rate and beat all of her, all of her uh, colleagues. The other one was using like the Kamala drugs. Harris? Yes, like Kamala Harris. The other one was using the drugs. So one was in the Boston area, the one that was in Western Mass. Long story short, uh, the courts, the, the, uh, under, under Martha Coakley, uh, the Democrats that run Massachusetts all tried to just say oh that only affected a couple of cases when the reality is it affected especially that lady out west who had been using the drugs for 10 years all of those cases well i don't want to tell you what ended up happening but watch that i don't i don't want to tell you how it ends but it shows how they did they straight up lied in court they did everything they could to try to make it sound like it was this isolated thing that only affected a handful of cases when the reality was it affected close to, I think, 60,000 cases. 
And uh, so watch that and realize that's happening everywhere, not just on drug cases. The, the police and the prosecutors do everything they can to push people through as guilty, which is why 90-something percent of cases end in plea charges because they go to people who can't afford cash bail. They go to people who already have priors. They say, we're going to destroy you. It doesn't matter if you're innocent or not. We've got all this evidence. Just plea it down to this. The sheer number of people that are in prison, and I'm not even including the people that are in there for victimless crimes that shouldn't even be illegal. I'm talking about people who are in there for rape, for murder, for assault, for all sorts of you know other charges. They didn't do it, and they just get railroaded. This We don't have a criminal justice system. We have a, uh, a free prison labor loophole around the 13th Amendment system. Yep. So, uh, so we're going to end on a high note. Um, and by high, I mean geographically above us. Um, so just north of us, just above the U.S. Uh, so, uh, Matt, has anything been happening interesting in Canada? I'm sure it hasn't. That's my segue, I'm sorry. Nine times out of (laughs) ten. I think, okay, so this show's been on for five years. And I think we've talked about Canada twice. Yeah. Uh, all of them since COVID, too. Um, oh, no. One of them had to do with their prime minister, prime minister blackface. Yes. Um, yes. We talked about that. And then we talked about COVID. Uh, In so fact, prime there minister- was actually a, a four or five month, three or four month period of time when I was in Canada. <laughs> And we still didn't talk about Canada. We didn't talk about it. Um, yeah, because I was like, I don't care. It's Canada. Yeah, uh, it's Canada. Yeah. So Prime Minister Blackface, yes, is currently in hiding, <laughs> possibly in the U.S. I don't know. Um, that would be funny. I, that so would be funny. I read he was here, and then when I went to try to find that article again, I could not find it. I'm well, going to read I'm going to try here. to find that. What? Um so Prime Minister Blackface is in hiding because a bunch of truckers have decided to drive to Ottawa where on Saturday the temperature was a balmy negative 6 degrees Fahrenheit or a negative 20 degrees Celsius for our friends not using the Fahrenheit system uh, to protest the vaccine mandates. Now, I don't know how many people have been following this closely because it's very difficult. Uh, You're getting one of two sides from vastly opposite sides uh, if you are looking anything up about this. Um, So it's very difficult to find some middle of the road neutral kind of uh coverage about this um so the convoy began because a bunch of truckers that weren't vaccinated didn't want to have to quarantine for the two weeks or the 10 days or whatever they have it up there in canada uh whenever they crossed over to the united states 
to deliver to deliver goods and then when they came back they were having to quarantine this is how this started they were like we don't want to do that because that is our jobs and we drive over there literally every day yeah you will be taking our livelihood away from us um it has now grown thanks to new political party i think it's called the maverick party which that's terrifying um sarah palin and john mccain just the john mccain dan crenshaw party i think is the working title for this right Uh, i mean they're the same person um yes both got elected because they failed at war um it's that sweet spot between getting hurt and not dying Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so it has since grown with push from uh, different political parties uh, to end all vaccine mandates nationwide and yep. what the supporters of what is known as the freedom convoy see as government overreach in the COVID-19 restrictions in the COVID yep. regime that is sweeping that has swept it has it has swiffered most of western culture got swiffered it felt like a swiffering i actually think that we got roomba really actually it's canada they they still have curling up there and uh they use i think they're sweepers so they're they're, they were sweepered yeah they're sweepers that's funny yes (laughs) that was that was canada with their covid restrictions moving uh, the moving the uh the iron or stone that is stone, the covid yeah. mortality rate as much as 0.2 degrees in this direction exactly so prime minister blackfist yes who some would argue as a person who has been caught in blackface at least five separate times would be yeah. part of a fringe minority group of people who who've been caught in blackface multiple times <laughs> called, <laughs> called the group of at the trucker convoy a fringe minority group who hold unacceptable views which apparently being caught in blackface in public in canada is not an unacceptable view if you're the prime minister who at no. one point in his life got beaten up by Chandler from Friends. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, Chandler from Friends, Matthew Perry, beat up yes. uh, Justin Trudeau. It's, is this like a, this isn't like a theory or something? This is confirmed? No, Matthew Perry said that in an interview. He said, oh yeah, I beat him up once. It was like, they were in like private school together when they were younger and they were kids and uh they didn't they thought his dad was a douche because they didn't realize fidel castro um but they ended up beating beating up justin trudeau oh and trudeau said he wants a rematch yeah well that's not fair matthew perry has such addiction issues now like that I was, was just gonna say that would be mean <laughs> yeah just uh, up on a guy that has I health saw- issues i saw clips from um like the friends reunion or something i think reunion. it was last year yeah. Or the year before and he's like slurring and 
like as someone who is cognizant of neurological issues because I have MS, I he has neurological issues. So I would probably give the point to Trudeau now, but good on him for beating up. I don't know. He didn't. Yeah, he beat up Trudeau. Um, so, I mean, think about it. They hold the truckers, not the people who wear blackface or got beat up by Matthew Perry. The truckers, they hold the unacceptable view that they have the audacity. No. The, the audacity to desire that they don't want to be taxed for vaccine for being unvaccinated. Yep. They don't want to have to pay a tax because they didn't get vaccinated. They yep. that is an unacceptable view in the eyes of Prime Minister Blackface. Yes. How do you look at yep. Ralph Northam from Virginia and think, God, he only did it once? Yeah, I'm gonna beat that. <laughs> like Ralph and it was possibly as a part of performance art. Um, and we, and we'll never know because his wife screwed that up for him, but, uh, the, uh, and we've talked about that a lot, but the, I mean, Trudeau was like just straight up and not just blackface. He would do blackface and I guess you could call it brown face where he would try to be like an Arab or an Indian person in Canada, which has a gigantic brown population. But even his brown face was blackface. It was blackface. Justin Trudeau has one costume and it is putting freaking black paint on his face and then sticking his tongue out. And the, the wild thing about, about that is it means you're looking at Indian and Arab and, and, you know, East Asian people, you're looking at Indians and Bangladeshis and, and Pakistanis and Arabs and so forth and Persians, Iranians and stuff, and uh, Azerbaijanis, like people in that whole region. And you're looking at them and going, yeah, black is this shirt. Like these are people, some of them are as as light skin toned or close to it as Matt and, and me, and many more are, you know, darker skin toned. But I mean, you, you know Indians, you know Bangladesh. This is not, like this would be, offensively too much to uh, represent African-Americans, right? Like this is too much for African-Americans for or at least the vast majority of African-Americans. This is way too, like it's, it's yeah. besides being offensive in and of itself, just the idea that they're this black is, would be Indians. Wait, he was Aladdin in one. Yeah, anyway. Yes. Um, he so... was Aladdin with the black face, this black. Cause that's what Aladdin looks like. So he followed this up. He followed up that the they have unacceptable views and they're a fringe minority group with 90% of them are vaccinated. Yeah. So, so 90% of them are vaccinated and they're going out there because they don't want the vaccine mandates, but they have these outlandish views that are unacceptable in today's society but 90 percent okay yeah um no no literally these are people that the the probably vast majority of them are vaccinated and they're either vaccinated because they wanted to be vaccinated or because they um 
or or it, it could be because they are like it, it could be because they had to be vaccinated and they they wish they hadn't or whatever but these are not you know these are all people that are vaccinated and uh or or a good number of them are vaccinated they have this unacceptable view fringe minority that they are that you shouldn't be forced to do that right um now even though 90 percent of the truckers have been vaccinated according to the regularly regularly dark-skinned prime minister um yes. uh that has not stopped people from calling him the basic go-to insults of people of less than discerning taste um yes. the washington post and msnbc has called them not yet has called them a cult and compared them to nazis uh joe scarborough co-host of msnbc's show morning joe uh was quoted as saying now they have met the enemy and the enemy their enemy is themselves because they've become what they hated they've become what they mocked and now they're taking food from soup kitchens because they're so put upon for being asked to do what they've been asked to do required to do their entire lives it's a cult what now that was that okay so that was in reference to uh they were always making fun of left-wingers who were anti you know vaccines before the government said you have to take these things uh, yes you know now the suddenly they're that, good yeah <clears throat> yeah the ones that stopped polio um yeah. not the ones that make you less sick um the ones that definitely don't do what Rachel Maddow said or Joe Biden but the but, um, but but the real but against the polio one against the polio ones they were, yeah. and they were like oh look at those anti-vaxxers and now they're the anti-vaxxers and they weren't allowed in any store any restaurants in Ottawa because of masks and vaccine passports so they yes. went to homeless they went to the soup kitchens and they right. were getting fed there and people were like you're stealing food from homeless people proving that they're a cult not the people who are saying you're not allowed to go into a restaurant unless you do a bunch of things that do nothing to stop or slow the spread of covid they're the cult right and as confirmed cult leader jack casey said in the comments as a cult leader i can tell you the truckers ain't a cult the covid cult is um yes now the overrated editorial cartoonist Michael Day Adair tweeted this cartoon. <laughs> uh, and the same day that he tweeted this cartoon, uh, the Post published an op-ed calling on Canada to confront the toxic freedom convoy head on, describing the convoy as having an affinity with Trumpist toxic authoritarianist politics. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, yeah, I know. We'll get there. Michael Day Adair. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. I also don't care. But Michael Day Adair was fired from a Canadian newspaper a few years ago when he drew the cartoon that all of us have seen. So I didn't even pull it because all of us have seen it uh, of Trump looking over two drowned immigrants in the pond. And he said, can I play through? from that picture and 
blaming Trump for the two people who drowned in the in, in Italy. In Texas. Out, oh, was in Texas. Oh, 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 no, because there. Well, hold on. I because there were two different things. There were the ones that drowned in in the Rio Grande, but then there were a bunch that drowned like off the shore of Italy. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Rio Grande. Okay, I think well, that it was. Would at least yeah, I think it was a father and son drowned in the Rio Grande. And yes. the picture went viral, and then he drew a cartoon about it uh, where he was playing golf, and he said, can I play through? And um, he got fired from a Canadian newspaper, so the Washington Post quickly snatched him up and said, yes, that is yes. the kind of thinking that we need here, or else democracy will die in darkness. Um, so let's go after the freedom convoy. Um, so that is who Michael Day Adair is. Uh, but the post did publish the article saying confront the toxic freedom convoy head on and described it as having an affinity with Trumpist toxic authoritarianist politics. You know, not like forcing people to take medicine that they don't want to when they aren't sick or telling them that they can't eat or go outside or work or see their loved ones or the authority. The authoritarian. Any... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean you're. I was kind of trailing. <laughs> the authoritarian policy of I think people should be able to make their own choice. And see, this is the this is how they're twisting wording. It's fascism. As to be as against by Michael Day to be there. against actual corporatist fascism, the merging of big government with big state. For example, telling someone you aren't allowed to work and provide for yourself unless you are unless you take this product by a big pharmaceutical company that has zero liability uh, against any damages that it caused and uh, has well 100% subsidization from you the taxpayer. That is that is and and you got to be careful saying this because then people are like, oh, you're saying this is the Holocaust? No, I'm not saying it's the Holocaust. No, no, I'm not saying it's Hitler. I'm saying it is literal textbook fascism. Yes. Like this is how fascism works. And if you go, well, you know, our country does that a lot. Yes, <clears throat> we live in a fascist system. <clears throat> and say that routinely. And people on the left say that routinely. There's outside of the, you know, the the the, the most mainstream of political thought. The vast majority of us believe that we are in a fascist, quasi-fascist, or fascist-adjacent system. But not with this. And if you're against it, you're a fascist. It's just absolute nonsense. Now, just to put in perspective, go ahead. uh, Just just to explain the insanity of... I hate to lump in everybody in the left, but it's the insanity of the left. They were talking about Stephen Breyer um, and his resignation. And they said, thank God that Stephen Breyer is resigning. Uh, Hopefully whoever comes in after him uh, can fix his, his darkest mistakes and started talking about his fascist mistakes. Now I will say, I don't agree with these rulings, uh, but they're about uh, cops being able to take DNA. Oh, Just okay. Like, yeah. And I agree. Cops should not be allowed to do that. Stephen Breyer did not, and that was part of the deciding factor. Um, he, I think he was the deciding vote in that. Um, and so I agree. That was a mistake. But he's also the guy who said, yeah, if you work, for, if you have a job in America, 
you have to take this shot. But they were okay with that. Not the other thing. I'm not okay with either. Yep. Fascism bad. And like all fascism bad. bad. It's my my most recent. I've gotten a huge influx of right wing followers on my Twitter and Facebook because I've been outspoken against this COVID regime stuff. And so I've been hitting them hard with, uh, hey, guys, uh, you know who enforces all this? These criminals. And I put up pictures of the police and I'm like, why are you backing them? And so I'm getting a lot of the, you know, the standard. Well, if you were, you know, raped or robbed, you'd, you'd call them and then they'd come an hour later and probably not do anything unless it, they think it's drug related. And uh, Char- it, you charge know, you for something. Yeah, charge you for something. Um, and so, you know, like I, I've been hitting them with it, but there is a special a special kind of hypocrisy that is in the progressive left. And I will say the progressive left, because a lot of people on the far left are against this stuff as well. Um, but the progressive, the more mainstreamish, and maybe even just outside of mainstream left are just behind this thing. And the reason they're behind it is because they've been conditioned by their favorite media and government people and, and, and in their social networks to support it. And uh, and again, and I'm not saying supporting the vaccine or supporting, you know, choosing to uh, isolate or to wear masks or what. Not saying the effectiveness of the measures themselves, but to forcing people to it and not expecting that to result in the same enforcement mechanism that they are uniformly against. And that's why I asked these folks, I'm like, you agree that overdoses on heroin are bad, right? And that we should try to stop people from overdosing on heroin. But then you also recognize the war on drugs tries to accomplish that in the shittiest way possible. But you can totally trust them to deal with COVID. Anyway, so uh, a little bit of a, of a uh, it is, as, as uh, Matt said, it is impossible to get a good read on how big these crowds are, how widespread the support is, because you're either getting it from people who are like, this is the best thing ever. This is the Canadian revolution, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and also Trump won in 2020. Like it, it's, there's that and then there's the there's this shit like there's and there's no in between there's not good original reporting there's just a lot of but so what you have to try to do is take the original reporting that's coming out and try to have some nuance and perspective to it so when it comes to the how many people are in um in these actual freedom convoys there's a video and i'm going to show it right now that has stood out to me um this is a clip from um, I saw you this post is a this clip. Earlier. What's that? I saw you post this earlier. I meant to pull it yeah. and put it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a clip. This is just one group that came out from Saskatchewan on their way to Ottawa for the for the the pro, the uh, Freedom Convoy protests. And this is sped up. It's like uh, I guess it's probably drone footage, and it's sped up. This is just one. And I'm going to pause it briefly. Look at how far back that goes. Like, this is just one group. In this video alone are hundreds of trucks. And it's, I mean, again, look at the top left corner. That's all, not the top left corner of them going left to right. Just past that. That's all truck, like, 
there is I think that we can put to bed any notion uh and again if you're listening to this you'll definitely want to catch this part of the video um I think that anyone who is trying to claim for example uh Justin Trudeau that this is a fringe minority it, it's I mean they're uh, literally I didn't coming even in get from this all far directions in the video it goes yeah. back it goes and, it's and again two separate it's, sides it's two separate sides and it's at this point in the video that you can see it goes way 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 back you know from from the that that stretch of road and another thing that you'll notice look at all the different flags so there's the canadian flag but then there's all these other national flags as well um one thing to know about canadians more so than I think any other, and I, you know, we, we, uh, part of the year, well, before all of this, uh, part of the year lived in Toronto, which is a very, very diverse place. I'm like one of the few white people that live in our neighborhood. And, um, they are very hyphenated. If they, if you're a Canadian who came from the Ukraine, you are a Ukrainian Canadian, you've got your Ukrainian flags. I mean, I'd like to joke, when I'm up there during World, uh, World Cup time, I see every flag in every car except for Canada. And I, I even see, I see more American flags than I see Canadian flags because everyone's rooting for their home country. This is a far more diverse group than they want you to believe. This is a far more large group than they want you to believe. And they literally are just saying, we th and, and it's also a far more vaccinated group than they want you to believe. Most of those people are probably vaccinated. Something like 90% of Canadian 90%. truckers are vaccinated. Yeah. And Canada is not a gigantic country. It's not like they have millions and millions of truckers. The fact that this large of a group, of, most of those people are vaccinated. They're just saying you should have a choice. Not just them. You should have a choice. So, you know, all of this nonsense is just... It, it, there, it is, and to call them fascists and everything else, you know, do I think that they're the revolution of Canada and that everything they say is great and perfect? No, but they're right on this, and the Canadian government and and uh, and 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 frankly, the North American governments and uh, corporate media elite, the, they are they are 1984ing you right now. They are doing everything they can to present this as the exact opposite. Everything they say these people are is what they are. They are the cult. They are the fascists, not not these truckers. Right. And, like, obviously, whenever you see a story like this, you're, especially from mainstream media, you are going to see anything that goes against their donors, Pfizer, their sponsors, Pfizer. Yeah. Um, anything that goes against uh, Pfizer, uh, you're, you're going to see people trying to spin it negatively. The New York Times, when they wrote about this, what they said was there was at least one flag with swastikas. Did you see how many people were there? Just yeah. in that video this picture, how many trucks there were? They said there was at least one flag, which means they had one confirmed and nothing else. Um, odds are that was just somebody trying to make the news and give the riots a bad name. Odds are just going out on a limb the lincoln project showed up and did something one flag one. that's a bad actor right one flag one flag 
Uh, but yes, there are going to be there are going to be people at these uh, protests, and those are the people that the media is going to be looking for. That's who they are going to be picking out and being like, "Hey, come here. We need to interview you, just so we can get your crazy ass ideas here on tape and say this is what they're for." Yep. Don't take anything that mainstream media is telling you about this to heart. Uh, you are going to be getting spin on either side of this thing. All that you need to know is this started because they didn't want to have to quarantine after coming in from America and it grew into, you know what, there shouldn't be any mandates whatsoever. And to that, I agree. There shouldn't be any mandates whatsoever. And the fact that Justin Trudeau is potentially hiding here in America uh, because he's too afraid to talk to him and has said, I'm not going to talk to them he has said, I'm not going to talk to him. He probably said it in French, um, but he said, I'm not going to talk to them. I don't know how to do French. So I don't, I can't even try yeah, to make fun of him. No. Um, oh no, Matthew Perry, please don't beat me up again. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that Justin Trudeau said, I'm not going to talk to them is really all you really need to know. The fact that the leader of the country is unwilling to talk to that large of a block of people who are his constituents shows you everything you need to know. It's his way or the highway. And he is now saying no to the people who run the highway. Right. They've literally, it's, it's my way or the highway. Okay. Guess it's going to be the highway then. And we're going to completely take it over. If you wanted to piss off a large group, a relatively large subset of people in a country like Canada, which is large geographically, sparsely populated, but sparsely populated in large groupings geographically or or population wise. So like the GTA, the greater Toronto area is comparable to like the Boston area or the, the LA area for population density. And then there's just large amounts of nothing. And then you get to like the Ottawa area, the Quebec area. And I mean, there's people outside of those immediate or the the Montreal area. And there are people outside of those immediate areas. But most uh, of the Canadian population live in these large in in, um, um, uh, uh, Vancouver, in um, uh, what is it in Alberta, Calgary. Like they live in these large population areas. You need I mean, America needs truckers incredibly for supply chain issues. Canada's dependency on truckers is on a completely different level that that doesn't exist outside of most other countries. Like, if you wanted to piss off a group of people, this would be how you do it. And if anyone thinks this is some last hurrah, they're just getting started. They've received millions of dollars in uh, donations from GoFundMe. They're getting support internationally from people who see this as a potential bulwark against the COVID regime in Canada. One of the few countries, uh, Canada, the U.S., and I guess to a lesser extent, New Zealand, or I guess to a more of an extent, really the only countries left that aren't recognizing that pandemic, whose governments are aren't recognizing that COVID is endemic and it's time to give up on all these mandates. Pretty much every other country is going into that phase. And this could be that bulwark that forces Trudeau's hand, but he's going to pull his limperous garbage all the way to the end. And this group is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and, uh, and more and more mainstream. And he's going to probably just hang out in, uh, 
in the New York area for indefinitely. So, um, and right now there is a U.S. facsimile of this happening. Um, let me pull that up. Oh, just so everybody knows, this is Ottawa right now. Uh, if you see all the red dots on there, those are roads that are closed. Yeah, uh, it, it shows you kind of where the traffic is. I didn't have it pulled up because I didn't think about it before the show, but. Uh, if you were taking an Uber in Ottawa right now, it's going to cost you a couple extra loonies and toonies um, because it's probably peak pricing. But yeah, yeah, there are truckers organizing a convoy to, from California to Washington. And right now, over 700,000 trucks are allegedly going to be joining them. If we have our equivalent of a freedom convoy in the U.S., I mean, we have a lot of truckers. And by the way, you will feel that in the supply chain. If a bunch of these truckers go and decide to do this instead of what they would usually be doing, which is bringing you all the stuff you need to survive, like this is a, you've got to yeah, stop as, ignoring it. As Scientific Libertarian 2.0 says, buy groceries now. Yeah, this is like like their stock. Buy groceries, they're going up. Um, the This is like, all the stuff they said about um, the uh, essential workers during the, the the height of you know COVID hysteria uh, in the you know March April of 2020, every bit of it was true. You know, without our truckers, without our retail work, you know, our, our grocery workers, without our healthcare workers, our country would grind to a halt. Now that was all fear mongering that they were doing it. What they didn't actually believe it, and they're demonstrating it by trying to get them all fired now. Um, but they, it's true. And now they're pissing them off. That's not smart. But I'll tell you what is smart, folks. And that's that we've restarted this show. And because we did a not smart thing and got really, really sick for an entire month. And uh, and so, but we are back. And we are so glad that you have joined us. And we hope, um, <coughs> excuse me, we hope that... We continue to get better, uh, but we hope that you uh, join us, uh, rejoin us now that we're back uh, and uh, and get to hang out with us and, and see all the great things we have in store. Uh, we are just getting started, and by that, mean I mean we literally are only getting started this year because uh, this is our first show for the year. Well, that's not true. Uh, Matt and Jason, this is my first show for the year, which is why it's Return of the Judai, um, but uh, we've got some great stuff in store for you. We love you. We're so glad that you're uh, still here. And uh, we are going to be doing some fantastic stuff this year. Um, all sorts of things. So stay tuned for that. And uh, uh, with that said, uh, tomorrow will be the first episode of 2022 of my fellow Americans. Uh, with uh, And my guest will be uh, Anthony Samaroff. You know him, Matt, from, uh, yeah, uh, who is... Um, drunk, oh, man, drunk what is little it? Irish fuck. The drunk little Scotsman uh, who is, is currently camping out. Say he's Scott. He's Scotch. Uh, or he's Scott, or however you say that. Um, he's currently in Mexico uh, because he can't get back into the U.S. They won't let him back in. Because they have a they have an active, an active Certain policy he's against allowing time in Mexico. drunk little Scots into the country. Um, no, he is, he's in, um, 
I want to say Cabo San Lucas. Like, no, he's. It's a it's a tremendous problem to him that he's not in the U.S. right now. Uh, I can assure you. Um, but we're going to be talking about his book, uh, Universal Basic Income for and Against, where he, uh, full disclosure, very much against uh, universal basic income. He wrote a book weighing the pros and cons in what I would call a pretty objective way. I mean, honestly, it, for someone who has a strong opinion about it, he did it in about as objective, like really weighed you know the the arguments in good faith on both sides and allows the reader to come to their conclusion as to whether uh, uh ubi is a good thing so we're going to be talking about that i'm sure we're going to be talking about his exploits in mexico because uh, we're both against ubi so that conversation will take 12 seconds um and uh so that will be my guest uh and then on uh thursday is the writer's block so the issue with the writer's block is that we kept pushing the muddied Zoom to the next week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so as of right now, I do not have a guest for the writer's block. We can't have a muddied Zoom next week, which would be the yes. day that we're usually supposed to have it because I have a guest in studio. So, so we can either do the muddied Zoom this week and give the people what they want, um, or we can do it on the third and I can try to find a guest by Thursday. So unfortunately I can't do the third because I'm gonna be doing a uh, podcast that would go into the time for muddied Zoom. So I can't do the third, so we'll probably have to do it following thursday okay so the third thursday the third thursday the 17th third thursday okay um cool you're not all gonna right. believe so, uh, who who matt wright's guest is on thursday tune in to find out we're all gonna be surprised together when we find out who matt's guest is uh and then um yeah we're we've got all sorts of exciting stuff coming up and uh including a the money zoom on the third thursday of uh of this month and um uh so we, we we are so happy to have you with us we're so happy to continue to grow this thing and to continue to become uh to recover from this terrible illness that we all got afflicted with um so matt if someone were to try to find muddy waters media on the internet is that even possible and if so how it is possible if you are one of those old school listeners who don't enjoy looking at these gorgeous men who age like fine wine, but not as well as Nicholas Besser Beezer. Um, um, all you would have to do is head on over to Anchor. I'm so out of practice. Anchor.fm. Oh wow! I can't whisper. I know. It's, it's it's difficult. It's difficult for me still. Hi, why? No whispering hurts. Hey, anchor. Anchor.fm/slash muddywaters. This is painful. Yeah, but uh, that's why I didn't do it on the show with Jason. Oh. While you're there, you can leave Ow. us messages that we will play. 
live yes. on the air on Tuesday nights. <laughs> this is and, terrible. <laughs> or you can, if you are so inclined, yes, you can subscribe. As should you be one of the wonderful people whom we love just a little bit more, that subscribe, yes. you will get ten percent off in the Muddy Waters store. I think uh. you still get. I think you still get <laughs> a discount at Stitches and Glitches <coughs> or Defy the Power. Okay. And some other stuff, including access to the Muddy Tomb, except in January of 2022. Or you can find this in every other episode at oh muddywatersmedia.com. Holy crap. Yeah. Well, that's a symptom of, of COVID recovery is... You can't. Yeah, you can't whisper like you used whisper? to. Whisper. Mine, mine came back not long ago. I tried to yeah, do COVID, it with Jason. COVID like, ASMR. I... This is COVID ASMR. Ah. So, listen, don't. I, I super fan Sarah Anderegs in the in the DM in the comments that I somehow sleep next to that. Listen, this man is incredible. Okay. As someone who has slept next to this man once, with a two pillow, nights. with a pillow. Oh, that's right. Two nights. Yeah, twice. Two nights. In a row. Twice in a row. I twice did it, and then row. I did it again. But with a, there was a, a pillow border between us. There was. Um, we, we, we had a, a, a Berlin wall of pillows going through the east, separating the east and west corridors of that bed. Yes. With no... Uh, with no David Hasselhoff trying to take it down. Mm-mm. No, no David Bowie Which trying been to kiss somebody over it. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, don't complain. Uh, uh, MTAL6 says, when are you coming to Arizona? Well, I was supposed to be there three weeks ago or two weeks ago. Uh, but we, we're going to be scheduling something uh, for Arizona and for Iowa and for Florida Keys. The three things I missed. Okay, so... When I first got COVID, my immediate thought was, this probably means I'm not going to be able to go to the Keys. And so I held out, hoping I'd get such a mild case of COVID that like seven days later, I could go to the Keys and like test negative. And I wasn't going to go if I was still positive or whatever. Test negative. And then, and then that's not, not only did I miss the Keys, but then I missed the Arizona libertarian convention and then i missed the freaking uh, uh uh iowa convention and so now i'm we're gonna be rescheduling all that i'll be going back to all those places um i don't i don't Sarah yes i told you told, Jew, you told I, a jew not to complain about one thing <laughs> one thing i tell you not to complain about and this is how you treat me so, folks, again, thanks so much for, for being a part of this. We love you, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. We will see you Thursday. We will see you on the Muddy Zoom. Uh, we will see you on our shows that are returning because uh, we now are no longer dying of COVID. And uh, so we've all survived Joe Biden's winter of, of death and severe illness that he promised. Yes. Promises made, promises kept, but we have definitely uh, we've definitely survived it. Uh, and so thank you guys again. We love you. And we're weird. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> 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 <coughs>
And where we're going, <laughs> we don't need roads. Man.